Rhonda, what is your best technique to teach a kid to fly fish? Well, it depends how old the child is, of course. You know, with a five-year-old, you have a three-minute attention span. Six-year-old, you may have five-minute attention span. Seven-year-old, you may have 10-minute attention span. So you have to kind of know where you're coming from with a child, and they're all different. Some, some were born old school. Some were, you know, are just the typical kid, and you have to, you know, understand that first. And I always try to do games. Like kids love games, and if you've got a an, a reward after they make a, a cast to a, a fake fish and actually hit their target, then they get a reward of some kind. And then we had to do hula hoop games where they kind of have to cast through the hoop. They don't know that's a big deal, but mm. if they make it and hit the fish on the other side, then they get another reward. And normally, you know, the first sessions are always short unless I have parents in participation with this instruction. And I've had plenty of uh, school uh, children classes where the parents all want to participate. So I teach the parents how to teach their children how to fly cast. And that's all with games. And they are all they all walk away with thank you. I've got new skills and I know how to take this home and do it in small increments. So that's that's the key right there with with kids. Well, I've got about a three minute ten, attention span myself and I like games and I like to use <laughs> for rewards. So you probably don't we all <laughs> yeah, probably better to teach me with with the kid approach. Definitely my gummy worms. Gummy yeah. <laughs> worms. And yeah. It's like a great, either that or wine. One of the two, I don't know. We don't want to give kids wine, but you know, no, no, some kind of a, uh, give me some kind of reward, but yeah. that's, so your approach there is, is that's a holistic look at it yeah. of, of, of the different ages require different things, uh, to, to motivate them and reward them. And definitely, you want to know that, all right, just because this person, that this young person is 11 years old, maybe they have a short attention span and maybe you have to do something a little different. It's good to, it's good right. to kind of have those to block that off into those types of, uh, you know, three minutes, five minutes, that sort of thing. Um, right. And these rewards and, you know, the games, the different games uh, is a good idea. And I usually just, you know, try to hit this, try to hit this spot, try to hit this, you know, mm-hmm cast your brains out until you get tired and then, okay, now then let's start working on this. They love the circle. I make a big circle and I have fish at one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock, all the way to 12 o'clock. And you know, if you make the whole circle and hit every fish, you get a hat or you get a something and they get in competition with each other. And it, it really is. They're accomplishing cool things on how to hit a target in any direction. And they don't know it. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. That you're right. They do like, they do like that competition, competition with themselves sometimes, depending on the kid. Definitely. It's with them. It's really cool when they accomplish whatever it is that you've set in front of them. It's cool uh-huh. to see them accomplish that, whatever it is, small or big, you know, oh, yeah. one, one, the first fish that they catch uh, is a big deal. It's a big deal. I took a trip uh, with a, a guy and his son. His son was probably, he's probably 10, 11, something like that. And at first the trip started out with, I don't know where the fish were, but evidently our bugs didn't taste good to him. <laughs> as soon as he hooked that first fish and caught it, got it to the net, his whole demeanor changed. Absolutely, it does. Better. He just, it was, and it was cool because he was, you know, he then, then it went into, well, dad, I caught one. What are you, when are you going to catch one? Right. And that happens a lot when I have fathers and daughters and, and mothers and sons and that kind of thing but you know the sad thing is that a lot of times they don't want to touch it i mean when it comes in they're, they're yeah. terrified so you have that whole other teaching thing about how to release properly and and it's not going to die and you know so it's a it's a life 
learning experience. Yeah. And you're not going to grow scales just because you touched no. it. No. <laughs> From high atop the world headquarters of Southeastern Fly, this is the Southeastern Fly podcast. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Feel free to share the episode with your friends and fishing partners. Subscribe and follow so you'll be the first to know when an episode drops. If you find value in the podcast, drop by the Southeastern Fly store and explore the merch that fuels this podcast. Fly fishing coaching sessions are open. I've got two slots open. Uh, If you want additional information about fly fishing techniques, flies, fly tying, gear, uh, destinations, shoot me a text or or an email and we'll, we'll get you started. That's just in time for spring fishing. So who's our guest today on Southeastern Fly? She's been a professional guide and casting instructor since the 1980s. She's been a featured angler or a host in magazines on radio, television, video, and computer fly fishing names. She was a guest on episode four of Southeast, the Southeastern Fly podcast. She's a pro staff member of Patagonia, Choda, Maven Fly, native eyewear, and aqua design. Currently, she's teaching private casting instruction and instructional guiding on the Hiawassee River near near Reliance, Tennessee. She's an outdoor writer for Dunn Magazine, Girls, Guns, and Rods. She's a women's casting instructor for the uh, Virginia Fly Fishing Wine Festival. She's also a board member and retreat leader for Casting Carolinas. She offers private casting instruction uh, one day on the water casting and angling schools, group schools called from hero zero to hero, two day fly fishing schools with guided fishing. She's got an advanced one day school for fresh and saltwater destinations. Please welcome back to the podcast, Wanda Taylor. Wanda, thanks for stopping back by. Well, thanks for inviting me again. It's been too long. It has been too long. The last time that we talked, we were in Chattanooga. It was raining like crazy and <laughs> we were at the Conservancy. Conservancy, yes. Yeah. Down on the river next to Baylor School. That is one cool facility. I mean, to see to see all those brook trout that they're rearing and this new sturgeon, I mean, it was just really very impressive to me and how they're involving the local college students and high school students in that. And interestingly enough, that was the sturgeon was one of the things that I picked. I thought that'd be really cool to catch on the fly. And I've had two encounters with sturgeon, not, not sturgeon. Uh, I had two <laughs> encounters with sturgeon since then. One was I was I was actually on on the river with Susan Thrasher and about a three foot sturgeon just jumped straight up out of the water, but it couldn't really move its head down. It mm-hmm. just kind of like jumped up. And when the tail got almost out of the water, it just fell over on its side. Does <laughs> it have too it much, just, too much weight? I just wanted to tell you hello. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was it wasn't too far from the boat. It was far enough to where, you know, you could you could hear it. But oh yeah. The second time was we had a really clear water day and the folks that I was guiding took them to a particular place and, and stopped. And I was like, all right, so throw it right there by that log. And I thought there's not a log there. Why is there a log right in the middle of the stream, right in the middle of the current? And it was a sturgeon just laying there. I mean, it was Real. clear as a bell too. It was really cool, really cool <laughs> to see. So since that day that you and I met over there on the Tennessee river, those are my two encounters that I've had since then. And I don't, I'm, one of them, I would have still been wondering what it was, but the second one I was, once I dialed it in, I knew they've been really doing some really good work there. So, oh, definitely, definitely they have. And um, it, it's so neat to, to know how long they live. I mean, they can be 100 years old, 150 years old. I mean, they just keep growing bigger and bigger as long as you release them. Yeah, right. Well, like I said, I haven't had a chance to really fish for one on the fly yet, but I'm waiting for that day that we we hook one and, and get to see one up close and personal like that. Well, good luck on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that would be a <laughs> lifelong pursuit right there. In a, 
total accident when it happens, but that's okay. Well, I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple on on television when those big game hunters and stuff have you know gone after them. Their you know their quest is big fish. It really is phenomenal. I'm not sure what they're using. Probably half a chicken or a rabbit. Yeah, but right. um, I, I mean they could be vegetarian. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know that they're going to hit a blue wing olive or anything, but still. Uh, yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> Oh, since they have a turned down mouth, we know they're bottom feeders. <laughs> yeah, right. They come up that high. But anyway, yeah. well, hey, just for the audience here, a little bit of a, a backstory on how this episode originated. So this topic actually originated uh, the idea. Everything originated on the uh, fly fishing podcast by Southeastern Fly Group on Facebook. So our Facebook group, somebody posed the question out there of, or, or asked a question about teaching people to fly fish. Uh, and then I think they said, Hey, what about kids specifically? Then Wanda and I talked and we, we said, well, maybe we can expand it a little bit to look into kids, but also break it up and expand that just a little to where we kind of grouped it in three categories. And I'll get to that in a minute. This particular subject, I've been through it. When I first started, I had been fishing about a year and a half. So I knew everything. Without a doubt. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'd caught like 10 fish or whatever. Yeah, was, man. Yeah. yeah. How, how much more do you really need to know? Uh, <laughs> so I, I took a friend of mine to the river and I, I had an extra pair of waders, extra pair of boots, extra rod reel, even an extra vest. And I gave that to him. I gave him some flies and I marched him out on the, on a gravel bar. And I stood him there and I said, here's how you cast, which was about a, probably a 10 second instruction. And we corrected nothing whenever he started. I, I stayed there. About, I, I probably honestly worked with him maybe 10 minutes. And I said, all right, you're ready to go. And then I was in such a hurry to get off and go fish that I just kind of left him and forgot about him. And he didn't catch anything. Oh, yeah. Surprise. Yeah. I know I was stunned. (laughs) So I knew it had to be him. I knew it was, I knew it was his problem, not mine. (laughs) Later I, 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 we went back and he, he did catch some fish, but it was, it was me being in such a hurry to get away, to go catch a fish that I didn't spend the proper amount of time, whatever that was. I wasn't even ready to spend the proper amount of time with him. I mean, that, that never entered my mind because all I want to do was get him standing on the right gravel bar, let him swing a soft tackle and let him catch a fish. That's really what I was. That's what I was all about. My approach was totally wrong, but I had never been taught how to teach. And I never stopped long enough to know that it's a little bit different than doing it yourself. And I frankly probably wasn't ready to teach anybody to fly fish anyway. Those things kind of kind of run into one under one headline, but they're not learning how to fly fish to fish. And then learning how to fly casts are two separately different venues. And yeah, and trying to do that in 30 seconds, man, you're like superhero. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my results showed that I wasn't superhero. I was (laughs) a dud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, there's there's casting and which is, you know, the better you can cast, the the more they could put it near the target. But then there's fishing techniques, which some are naturals and some some will never get it, but they can acquire it by, you know, developing it on time on the water. And but they're two different subjects. And but when you marry the two, that's a beautiful thing to watch. It really is. When somebody gets it all, that's when it's Mm -hmm. great. It's fantastic to see. Oh, they went through the whole process of getting the line in the air all the way through to releasing the fish is it's awesome. It really is 
fun to watch a progression. Yeah. It takes time. It does take time. Time is one thing that we're, we're going to talk about here too, a little more. Yeah. We say, Wanda, let's break this down, uh, break our answers into three groups. Uh, and let's approach it from you're working with a young person, a grown person, including men and women, because they, they can be a little bit different. Men think they can watch one YouTube video and they got it. And women are more likely to listen. And I've seen that. I see that time and time again. And then let's take another group of senior, a senior person, because their needs are actually a little different than a grown person. A grown person is a little bit different than a young person. A lot of times I think I used to try to put them all in one group. And then as I started picking them out, I think my teaching techniques changed a little bit. And from what little bit you and I have talked, yours are, although maybe different, you're st- you're breaking them out kind of that same way. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about where the best place to teach someone to fly fish is. And let's start with a young person. If you're talking about fly fishing now, or are you talking about fly casting? Let's take casting first. Okay. Casting can be done in a school gym. It can be done in your backyard. It can be done on a pond, just anywhere you have space and attention, you know, a place where it's quiet, where someone can hear you and they're not distracted. I teach in the boat almost all the time. That's just how I prefer to do it. I've got kind of control over if I've got two people, I've got kind of control over, all right, you're not going to get, you know, 200 yards downstream. I don't want to chase you down. That's the perspective that I normally take. But every once in a while, I'll work with somebody you know, like uh, over over here on the football field, if the football team's not playing, obviously, or soccer team for the casting portion of it. You know, I get in the front yard if the grass is mowed lower. It's a big that's a big deal to me is not getting, you know, knots hanging on grass and stuff like that. What do you, what are your thoughts on water loading? Picking picking a line up off the water and picking it off off the front yard. Do you think there's any advantage or disadvantage to not being on the water? There's advantage to being on the water, uh, especially if it's moving water. But the problem is once you have moving water and if you're actually using a real fly and you actually hook one, then you've lost your student (laughs) forever, (laughs) forever. Yeah. So I never put a fly on and no matter where it is, just for safety reasons, but mainly for that. And then we practice on targeting and then I practice on how to set the hook and then how to let the fish run and how to, you know, go through the whole scenario of the real water thing. And then the next step, of course, would be to put them on moving water. And I actually have that to happen and then put those skills to work, application of those skills. So it's, it's kind of a process and, and you're doing trying to do all in one because you don't have a choice. You're a guide. You know, you're a classroom in yourself and it has to be a fast speed. Uh, I don't really know. One, know how to fly fish. I just want to catch fish. Basically, is what a, a lot of the, a lot of the new the new anglers want. But this whole new generation, especially since we've had COVID, is they want to be outside and they're serious about doing family things together. Yes. They, they want to include their children. They want to include their grandchildren. And they want to have something that's going to make them get away from video games and, you know, all this stuff that, that, that takes up so much of our time, like Facebook, Instagram, that kind of thing. And I'm finding I'm having more uh, families lately and it's, it, well, the past two years. And it's, it's, it's been delightful. I'm seeing that too. A lot of, a lot of trips are father, son, father, daughter, mother, mother, daughter, a couple of those. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right there. Everybody's wanting to get out and get away, and but they want to take their family with them. And I think that's a plus. I think that's a great thing. It's a huge plus. I'm seeing gra- the grandsons now referring their grandmothers to me. Oh, nice. Yeah. Grandma has a place somewhere and they want to go fish in Jackson Hole or whatever. And Wanda, you got to get her ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. love it when you have a 15-year-old send you a message. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool thing right there. It's a very cool thing. <laughs> I've had many a good days in the boat with my grandparents and 
That's uh, fantastic. I probably wasn't the best student, but I mean, I still, I still <laughs> liked it, you know? Oh yeah, me too. I grew up with, you know, my grandmother's taught me how to fish, not fly fish, but to fish. And I, I will, I will treasure that value in my life forever. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they opened the outdoors to me and something that I, I just love. That's a whole other episode for me, uh, <laughs> for sure. So on the, the, on the casting part, you can do that about anywhere you, you mentioned, and I yeah. agree that being on the water is the best mm-hmm. place to t- teach the fishing part. And well, it's, if they're going to be uh, fr- freshwater fishers, yeah, you yeah. know, if they're going to be, if they're going to be bass fishers, not so much, you got to find out that, you know, if are they going to saltwater? You know, it's totally different venues of what their species are going to be in their backyard. And that's where I start. Like, what can you, easily go fish for in your backyard and I'm going to teach you those skills and so that's where we go because if I taught them freshwater moving water and they have a lake (laughs) or they're going to the ocean it's just totally different techniques and uh, you know you have to start there but yours mainly is is on the river so you you know what your venues are yeah and I've got access to some lakes some private lakes too for bass for largemouth and you're right that's a totally different thing it involves stripping and and that's totally different than, than fishing a moving stream, a moving river. With the bass lakes, it's I love to fish them with popper. So casting uh, with some distance, but more so with some accuracy is super important on that. And then, you know, the stripping techniques, just whatever it happens to be the flavor of the day as far as what the fish are eating. So, well, yeah, well, with bass, though, you know, you're going to want the rod tip down and you want to strip strike mm-hmm. uh, with the trout. Not so much. And so, you know, the when I teach someone on a lake and then they, they, they go to a river out west and they say, you know, I didn't know there's so many ways you could fish. And they go out there and these guys are making them high stick. It. What I taught them as far as capturing or catching a fish was wrong. But they all they hired me for was to teach them to cast. They didn't tell me where they were going. And that's where it gets very difficult. That's that's the first question I ask. And, and it's important and pertinent, actually, for them to be successful. Like, all right, tell me where you're going next and we'll figure this out. And you're exactly right. If you're bass mm-hmm. fishing, your rod tips down almost in the water, sometimes in the water. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. stripping, right, right. Yeah, so. and you, you don't ever do a trout rise. If you do, you lose. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes... That makes tarpon guys really happy when you do that. Oh, they hate you. They hate you. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like you, but, you know, probably 50% of their business comes from people at trout fish. So, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But they're, you know, I had a guy, I had a kid last week, a young man. He's not a kid, young man. And he's gone three, two years in a row. And he's had, he's, he's hooked up, but he never captured a tarpon. And what I found out at the end, once we got his double haul timing right, he didn't know how to strip strike properly mm-hmm. he, he, and and he didn't know how to set the hook in a tarpon just like you would in a bass i mean you right. can't kill you the, you know they have rubber tupperware lips mm-hmm. trout no <laughs> no <laughs> he's gonna be magic i mean next week he's gonna rule tar- tarpon kingdom and i can't wait to hear about it nice for the folks that are out there listening and, and thinking they might have somebody that they want to teach to fly fish you know if they're going to do what you do all the time that's pretty easy pretty easy uh topic to 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 uh, teach on but if they're gonna do something different like you're a freshwater small stream angler and you know y'all are going to uh louisiana for redfish and, and you've never done that there's a whole other way to teach that so you know i don't know how much energy you want to expend to teach them to, to fly fish uh or even you know casting will be okay and if you're going to louisiana you know you want an eight or a ten weight usually normally so you know make sure you've got one of those in their hand if you're 
teaching dry flies on a small stream. That's a whole other technique and a whole other way. You know what? One of the most interesting redfish uh, questions I've, I've heard, uh, and I didn't realize I was hearing it. I've heard it every, every time I've been. Uh, and I always ask it if I can't see the fish, which as you get a little old, up in age, maybe my my sight's not quite as good as it was 20 years ago. I'm sure of it. But which way is that fish pointing? That makes a big difference on where you're going to drop that fly. Accuracy is king. It is. And you're if you're fortunate to see the tail of the fish, then you know he's, he's you know, the redfish, you know, they're bottom feeders. So as long as you get you know, pretty close to the tail and, and you can tell with the movement of the water, what direction they're going. So it's not that big a deal, but well, most of them are because they're foraging. Yeah. Unless it's really cold. Yeah. The thing is, was well, is your redfish in Louisiana or in there, are they in South Carolina or are they in Florida? Those are all three different animals and they respond totally differently. You know, I would teach three different ways. If they were, go- I'd have to find out what location they were going. But if you're just getting into the basics and it's casting and, and you know pie plates work well, small stuff fish like you have probably work well. Um, same thing, you know. Those are some techniques that you can you can prep people on. But until you see the situation for yourself, it's going to be a little bit difficult to give them everything they need. But let's move on to the next question, one, and this has to do more with with the length of time. And so young folks, grown folks, and senior folks is what we're going to talk about here. How much time do you think we should set aside, teach somebody to fly fish, to fish from start to finish, meaning let's go with the casting piece and the catching piece? Well, you're combining the two and they're not the same. So if you're talking about children, adults, or seniors. So let's go with young folks first and then we'll go to adults and then seniors. Kids, it's pretty easy. If you could put a willy booger or a nymph on and troll let them troll around a lake they're going to catch something so the skill level is roll cast pretty much just how to get it out there and then if they catch one and they want to try maybe a topwater fly like a frog or something like that you've got to have a little bit more skills because it's a bigger you know aerodynamic fly going through the water so that's going to take a little bit more time on how to present it and how to get it out of the water that'll incorporate having water hauls or double hauls to, to do that on the river if you're going for you know big trout same thing you got you know, stock trout, like on most of our our southeastern rivers. Uh, and, then, and then you go out west or you go to Alaska and they're like total different animals. So you still have to have those same skills that you would learn for bass fishing because they're they're huge. So for a younger person, a young person zones out completely, especially with kids. When they start zoning out, it may be a good time to, to stop and do something a little different, although keeping them engaged, maybe chasing a frog is a good idea. Uh, maybe, you know, getting out and turning over some rocks if you're on the river is a great idea, especially if you can find some uh, different bugs uh, that they can look at. There's, you can look at rocks. You can do a lot of things, keeping them engaged in the outdoor experience, but giving them a breather on the casting or the kit or the fish. Yeah, I do girls on the water and girls on the water at every age from five to 16. And um, the, I always end up with the, the little ones, the, the little be- little babies. They're so cute. I mean, they walk out there with their little waders and it's like, so, so do fish poop in the water? And, and of course you have to tell them they do. And they start backing up wanting off the river. And then, you know, that's, that'll show them some bugs to keep them interested. And then all of a sudden we'll see a trout and it's like, whoa. Yeah. And, and everything, everything changes, but it, it's, it goes from curiosity to, to being terrified yeah. with, with kids. And <laughs> it's, it's the most awesome experience. I love working with them. They're so fun, but it has to be a short 
time. Once they decide that they've had it, they've had it. So let's go for ice cream. I mean, no parent or grandparent should push them through something like that. It's just not worth it. Yeah, when it's time, when they're done, if, if you, yeah, absolutely take them for ice cream. That will be the part that they remember sitting there talking to you and, yeah. and y'all can reflect a little bit, not a ton. You don't have to critique everything they did, but especially if they catch a fish, they'll want to talk about that. There's a lot of, a lot of things that come out in that uh, conversation after the lesson or conversation after fishing, for sure with young kids. And I still remember some things from my grandparents and that was double digit years ago. <laughs> let's just put it that way. <laughs> As far as a grown, let's, let's, let's take a, an adult next and just talk about them. How much time do you set aside for them? Do you try to put it all in one hour? I have eight hours, six or eight hours or four hours sometimes to go through the whole process with them. And this is maybe a little different. I've lived through that as a person, as a, you know, angler trying to figure it out. And to take someone that's beginning for a whole day on the water is just, you're just exhausted. You don't even know what you're doing. But an hour and then say, hey, let's go to lunch um, is great. And so n- all of my sessions are one hour and then I can start seeing fatigue happen. When fatigue starts happening, then casts go bad and then they think they think they're horrible at this sport. So I stop it right there and I send them you know, notes later on. This is what we need to work on for the next session to help you progress. And adults are, are especially different because they choose to be there. They're not brought there by a parent or a grandparent and they choose to be there and they're paying good money for it. And so then after we get the accomplishments they want, then we do the on water application, no matter if it's fresh water, salt water, warm water on how to make this work now. So it's a process. Like I said earlier, I've been teaching a couple of uh, seniors to fish and I noticed they get a little tired and, and, you know, I let up on them for a little bit and we sit down and they have plenty to talk about. You can learn so much from them, maybe not about fishing, but life in general that, you know, 15 minutes of conversation passes by before you know it. And then, okay, they're rested a little bit, feeling a little good. And that gives you time to, or gives me time to go back and say, all right, what did I see there? And am I hitting on what I need to hit on? Uh, and then I can tell them, Hey, we're going to work on this. Now we make that change. They're a little bit more fresh. And like you say, they're not so worn out that they can't, that they start, you know, getting a little in some, some bad habits because they're worn out. So I think that the the seniors are even a little bit different. I don't know what you find with them, but that was just one of the recent things that I. Well, yeah, they're, they're totally different. And I'm in that category. I mean, you start losing muscle mass, Mm -hmm. you start Mm -hmm. losing muscle memory and your responses um, are slower. Right. You know, you have to approach that in a totally different way. I have, seniors that want me to help them work through a process to be a certified instructor. And this is at 70 or 75 and they're retired world war two one pilots. Mm -hmm. I'm serious. And you know, these are very accomplished human beings. And so you understand that they're used to being the top of the best. And now they understand that their bodies won't perform that. So I've, I've learned through working with project healing waters with our veterans, women and men, different ways to help them produce the cast to using their body core. Like instead of using your, your elbow in your arm, your forearm to do that, stick it into your gut and turn the body itself with the rod so they can support that cast and, and help them to present the cast. And it's a beautiful thing to watch and they have no fatigue whatsoever. They still know how to strike. Uh, I, we even have, I have a couple of, blind people and they did the same thing they've been fisher people their whole life but you know they know how to do it by feel 
but their their structure and their muscles have changed. So we've kind of restructured their casting techniques. Yeah, and I'm, it's interesting that you said that because I did that just the other day. Of this this guy had a shoulder injury. We a lot of us have shoulder injuries. If you row a boat, he doesn't row a boat, but he's got that shoulder injury. And I said, let's just instead of using your your arm and your shoulder and all that, I said, let's start just trying to use your body, which was totally foreign to him because he had learned to fish with his, with his arm and his shoulder and, you know, the, the traditional way, you know, the 10, the 10 to two way. Well, that's, that, that's over. It's, it's time to learn something new that's going to work for you in this period of your life. And that's the way I approach it. And they're all responsive myself too. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, just learning to do even blue water with, with um, sailfish and, and marlin and stuff, same things. Everything is changing because our, equipment is being becoming so high tech that you really don't fight the fish anymore. You, you know, you just don't. And, and once it finally tires out then as a senior, you know, it's my time to capture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fish is, has worn down and he is mine. And it, learning new techniques of how to make what you love to do, like tarpon fishing. Uh, I have a guy that, you know, he's lost his, his, the use of his legs. So we, put the wheelchair on there and mm-hmm. teaching him how to cast sitting down the same thing he's done his whole life. And his goal after his stroke was to catch one last tarpon mm. and by golly, he did, but we had to adjust this, the way he casts and it's an, it's an individual skill. You have to learn, I think with each person. Yeah, you're right. you you change as time goes. And some of the younger people are like, oh, I'll never, I'll never have to worry about that. Trust me. You will have to worry about this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you'll need to know some, you'll see it in yourself a little bit too of, okay, well, this, this isn't exactly working for me. Well, especially, especially like weight. Yeah. Like weight fishing, you know, most of the time your knees, a lot of people that are tall or have uh, osteoarthritis, your knees go. And so weight fishing sometimes is out of the, out of the future for you. Uh, but a boat being in a boat is you can fish as long as you can, or a wheelchair, just roll me out there. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I've, uh, I've I fished a guy that had use of one arm and that was it. And he used a, a, a reel where you pull the trigger on the reel and it, it uh, an automatic how yeah, awesome. auto reel. And he would, <laughs> I mean, he was, he was pretty dang good actually. Uh, That's great. Cast out. He men, he could do whatever you asked him to do. Yeah. Short of when it came time to fight the fish, the only way he could fight the fish was to set the hook, bringing it, bring it tight. And then whenever he wanted to gain line, he would have to point that rod tip down and Good pull the trigger him. and come back up with it. He That's has ingenious. his own little system. Yeah. Which made me get, it made me get my butt out of the boat almost every time and go down and, and get, you know, downstream of the fish and, and get it in the net. So he didn't have to work so hard, but there you go. <laughs> That's, that's what you do. Hurt me. No. <laughs> All in a guide's day, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so we've hit the young, the, the grown person, and the seniors on a few questions here. So this one is, is near and dear to a lot of folks' hearts. Let's talk about teaching family to fly, fly fish. And I remember Lefty saying one time, I can teach any woman to fly fish as long as she isn't my wife. Uh, or something to that effect, maybe. I'll... As long as I'm not married to her. That's yeah, as what long he as said. I'm not married to her. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it's absolutely right. And and Joan <laughs> Wolf did the same thing because uh, Lee Wolf tried to teach Joan how to fly an airplane, and 
they almost <laughs> crashed. It wasn't what he said, it's how he said it, dear. Right. And so she she landed that plane and, and hired her, her own instructor. And so anytime you're emotionally involved with any family member, uh, don't even try. I mean, it's just don't even try. I mean, uh, our son, who is an excellent fly angler and caster, would not learn from the, the his father and I because he thought he had to be perfect in our sight. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it was too overwhelming for him. So uh, we can all fish together now. It's not a problem. That's nice. But um, yeah, but it's hard with the husbands and wives and, and children and, and fathers. And so it's always good to have an outsider to kind of intervene there. For some reason, they'll listen to someone else before they'll listen to you because you're their dad or their mom or or their your husband or wife. So just stay away from that. I, I encourage anybody who's listening to this, don't even go there. If uh, if a person changed your diaper when you were young, it's probably pretty tough for them to listen to you try to teach them how to fly fish. And <laughs> <laughs> that's about the best way I could say that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and a young person nope. i mean a young person may you know they may listen to you like i was pretty fortunate delaney listened to me my daughter listened to me you know, i already know that i'm not going to try to teach my wife now that she wouldn't listen i would say something stupid probably and, <laughs> and ruin it for her so and i don't want to do that no you don't and um it's just it's best to stay away if you can now, there are a lot of re- unusual relationships that you know that fathers and sons and mothers and daughters have but they're very rare that yeah. they really are friends as well as uh, partners in fishing and sports. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I say, thank God for you guys. I, I'm glad to know that you're out there, but that's not the norm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it is either. And I, I can give one tip on this one. If you hire a casting fishing instructor, if you hire a guide uh, and you take your, whoever you take it, it if they're in your family, let's just, let me, let me uh, qualify that. If they're in your family and you hire a guide to go fish, let the guide or let the instructor instruct. Absolutely. So hard. I Mm -hmm. I see people struggle with it and I see people fail at it. And I see the successful ones let you as the instructor say, Hey, go ahead and show, you know, junior how to, how you do it. And then they don't feel so defensive that way. That's better yeah. than saying, hey, here's what you do. I've been in there. And I'm like, hey, you need to sit back there and shut up because you're not helping. Well, yeah, I have casting classes a lot with groups like that. And I have the, the husbands and the wives and the boyfriends or whatever. And my first instruction to them is if you are related to someone here emotionally involved, please do not try to teach them during my class the things that I'm trying to teach them. And without a doubt, every time. <laughs> One of them will try to go over and try to teach them how, while I'm away, you know, with some other students. I'll come back. And I said, what did I try to tell you? And the wife said, I told him he wasn't supposed to talk to me about this because he was teaching me all wrong. It was totally different than what you had told me. And I said, that's the point. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's just natural because maybe he is her protector yeah. or she is oh, his yeah. protector. And that's their normal role. And you can't, it's hard to walk away from that when you're in an uncomfortable situation when you're learning something new. Let's face it. It is uncomfortable to learn something new. It's out of, it's, it's out of your venue and you, you just feel kind of vulnerable. And um, so absolutely. I try to separate them if I can. And if I don't have the choice, I, I'm just right up front with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's <laughs> probably the way to be. Anytime I'm more upfront 
if I can get the experienced angler off to the side and say, Hey, just do your thing back there. And I'll work with, with <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and, you know, cause they're, they're probably not going to listen to you anyway, especially if they're <laughs> in their teens. Like I was, there's no way I would have listened to, I probably wouldn't have a sense to listen to anybody, but. Oh, the classic one I had in Virginia was a father son in this group class of eight. And, um, the father, I, I told all of them, I said, please don't try to string up your rod or do anything at this point until I talk you through it. And the father just starts doing it. And the son looked over at me and he says, just so you know, he doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole, the whole hour, he never listened. The son got it. The father never did. It was hysterical. It was hysterical. And I said, and you live with this, huh? He said, yeah. He's a he said, he's a lawyer. <laughs> Uh, his honesty that's funny <laughs> it yeah. was funny but it's the truth to all the lawyers out there listening we're not we're not picking on on you i mean no 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 we most love of you, you it's just some... yeah <laughs> <laughs> most of you would not do that right, right. <laughs> this is our last question and i always ask this question just to give the guest the the opportunity to talk about the things that that we didn't think of or that the uh, in this case the podcast group didn't think of uh that would be of value when you're trying to teach somebody to fly fish and to cast or fly fish or both uh, let us know this what should we have asked that we didn't ask if you don't bend the tip of the rod the fly line is not going to unroll and there's no way you're getting energy to get the fly to the destination and so the most important thing, if you're going to try to teach a friend, is teach them how to stop the rod either on a 45 degree or a 90 or over the left shoulder, or right shoulder. I don't really care. Just so that they can see the tip of the rod bend. When they stop the rod, if that rod is not bending, the fly line will never unroll. If the fly line does not unroll, then therefore it doesn't go to its destination and you cannot have a loop. So that's the first thing if you're teaching someone else to cast and to fish because it's going to send that fly to wherever you want it to go is if they stop you know speed up and stop abruptly but enough energy in it that it bends the tip of the rod whether it's the back cast or the forward cast or a roll cast it doesn't really matter the tip has to bend in in the english say you have to bend the bloody rod <laughs> you know, you want to you want to hit it so hard that you bring that bloody rod. Well, I kindly agree with them. If the tip does not bend, the energy doesn't go anywhere, and you'll never get the fly out to the destination. So I think that's one key thing. However, you, you the analogies you come up with, like my kids say, is that like uh, throwing a tater off a fork? And I said, well, I never thought about that, but yeah. Well, how about a marshmallow that's on fire? You don't want to get rid of it. Yeah. Some people call it, you know, doing paint in the ceiling. Whatever analogy you want to use to help your friend to understand the speed up and stop of the power of the back cast and the forward cast, it's all gravy. That's really a good one. I don't know how many times I say, look over your right shoulder and watch that line and watch the rod tip watch the rod bend, watch the line unfold so you get an idea of what it is that's going on back there. If you take it on a 45 degree and do it on a level plane like a side cast, they can visually see the back cast and the forward cast. And once they visually see it, no matter if it's overhead cast they do or left shoulder cast, it doesn't matter. They actually understand what they're trying to do. Yeah. That, yeah. that 10 to 12, 1 to 5, whatever clock is that 
they traditionally taught, you cannot see a back cast over your head backwards. You just right. cannot. But once you understand what you're trying to have it to do and how it feels, once you understand those two things, it is an awesome thing to watch. Totally agree. That's a good way to do it. I like that idea. I would say on this, so let me let me give up my two and a half cents worth here. Uh, if you're going to teach somebody to fly fish, so you you think enough of them to want to bring them into the sport that you've chosen chosen to get into. Uh, obviously, if you're going to take the time to fish, some, uh, teach somebody, then you probably really like their company. If that's the case, don't give them your worst fly rod and fly line setup. Give them something good to, that they can learn on. A lot of folks, a whole lot of folks show up with a really nice rod, maybe not a top of the line of, of whatever company they choose, but a nice rod, a nice reel. And then I, they cast, I'm like, well, that was not, that was ugly. And it doesn't match their, what, what they should be doing. And I would say probably 75% of the time, the fly line is cheap. It's just not a really good line that matches uh, the rod. Oh, the fly line is dirty. I mean, if it's dirty, it's not going to go any, any. I mean, I bring three actions of rod to every class that I do. I do. A, I have a slow rod, medium rod, and fast rod. And I, I experiment with a student and let them use each of those rods. And I said, one of these is going to make you look like a hero. Mm-hmm. And that one is the type action rod that you need. If you're a type A personality, if you're a tennis player, or baseball player, you're going to hit that rod like a son of a gun. And so you're going to need something that's fast is going to slow you down. If, you know, if you're a slow, if you've got an A by B personality, you're going to do everything on a slow, meticulous way. You might want a, a very slow rod. But if you're kind of in between, which a lot of people are, mid-flex might work for you. Now, show them how to detect the, the action of the rod by bending it on the, on the ground or on the floor to see where that rod bends and to see where the, the, the actual structure of the fiberglass and the graphite is on that rod. And so they have a total understanding. I said, I don't care whose rod you buy. Just go into the fly shop and try each of these actions. And, we, you know, we'll determine today exactly which one's best for you for today. But as you mature in your skill, you may mature through that. You may be, you may go to a fast action after a few years because of the muscle memory. So, you know, it changes. I still enjoy a mid-flex. Uh, most of my rods are fast action, but I still enjoy. I mean, it makes me really change. You know, I have to slow way down. and Yeah, I have to adjust. Yeah. But a beginner is going to have to do with muscle structure and personality type. Mm-hmm. That's the two, the two things. And that your personality is not going to change. Your muscle no. structure will. Right. Your, your muscle structure will. And so that's what we have to address is whether you're a, you still have a kid's structure or an adult structure or a senior structure. And then you adjust that action of the rod to that. And, the, you know, if it doesn't make you look good, don't cast. Don't use the rod. I don't care who handed who gave it to you. I would say the second thing on this, and I know that this was your question to close on, but just a general good rule of thumb is that fly is going to go where you point that rod tip. It's wherever you do that stop is where it's going to go. If you stop it high, it's going to go high. If you stop it medium, it's going to go medium. If you stop it low, it's going to go low. I mean, you can stop it and drop the whole rod to the ground and it's still going to go where you intended to go. Yeah. 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 I like the way you put that better than the way that I've been putting it. (laughs) Those were just some of the things that I was thinking of as we were talking through this of maybe uh, don't give them your worst rod, your worst fly line. If you care enough about them to teach them to fly fish, then 
then by all means, give them something that's good. You know, if you've got it. Uh, and then you use the, use your old rods, usually your old rod, use it for a day. Might bring back some good memories. And then the fly goes where you stop the rod. I really like that better. And accuracy is important. I, I'd rather have somebody accurate than they can cast all the way across the river. Cause I know they can't <laughs> mend it across the river. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, we covered a pretty good bit of stuff here. Wanda. Thank you for stopping by for a chat with us on this topic. Oh, David, it was it was always fun when we have conversations together. Um, it gives you an exercise of the mind, man. Oh, absolutely! And I appreciate you being a friend of the podcast too. I mean, you, you're you're actually in the in the, the our Facebook group, and and uh, and you don't mind jumping in there and helping either. And I do appreciate all the folks that jump in and help on the Facebook group. But I want to make sure that you know that that I appreciate you stopping and, and stopping by the Facebook group and offering up suggestions and that sort of thing. Uh, anytime, I enjoy it. All right. Well, if you find value in the podcast, share the episode and the podcast with your friends and fishing partners. Drop by the flat Southeastern Fly store and explore the merch that fuels the Southeastern Fly podcast. Remember, we've got co- uh, two coaching session times available, two openings, and the benefits of that can be found on the store. Our guest today is was Wanda Taylor, and she's been a professional guide and fly casting instructor since the 80s. Uh, she's been a feature angler or host in magazines, on radio, television, video, computer fishing games. And for the second time, she's been a guest on the Southeastern Five podcast. She's a pro staff member for many of the leading industries, leading manufacturers. Currently, she's teaching private casting instruction and instructional guiding on the Hiawassee River, River near Reliance, Tennessee. Uh, she's a casting instructor at the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival, as well as the MC for the for the Women's Forum. There, you're also a board member and retreat leader for Casting Carolinas. You offer private casting instruction, casting and angling schools for saltwater and freshwater destinations. You can find Wanda's information at wandataylorflyfishing.com. You just listened to Wanda Taylor on the Southeastern Fly Podcast. See you next time.